Tales from the Wild. Stories from the Heart. A journey into the mind and soul of fired up business professionals where they share their vision for the future. And hear from a different non-profit organization every month as they create awareness of their goals and their needs. Dive into a world of untamed passion as we join our host Shireen Buerta for this month's episode of Friends from Wild Places. Welcome, welcome. Shireen here. I am your virtual boutique bookkeeper and QuickBooks advisor. Archaeologists have found evidence of bookkeeping on clay tablets from ancient Mesopotamia dating back to around 3300 to 3200 BC. Why is bookkeeping important? Accurate bookkeeping records are essential to a company's sustainability. But don't waste your time on something you don't enjoy. Get out into the field because numbers is my thing. <laughs> Call Shireen's Bookkeeping Services today and allow me to do your books so you can do life. If you want to know more about Shireen's Bookkeeping Services, please go ahead and check me out at www.shireensbookkeeping.com and allow me to do your books so you don't have to. Welcome back. You are listening to Friends from Wild Places with myself, Shireen, and the Networker of the Year and my special co-host, Tanya. Tanya, what is going on in your life right now? Well, good afternoon. Here it is afternoon in Miami, Florida, United States, and uh, on this beautiful day. So lots going on here. Um, I am a professor at Miami-Dade College. As you know, I teach in the funeral service industry. So death care is my wheelhouse. So Shireen, I don't do numbers. That's not my thing. But talking about old clay and, and epitaphs, that's my wheelhouse. So anything death care, that's what I'm all about. So... It's a pleasure to be with you this morning, and we do have a special guest this morning, and we have uh, Steve Ramona. So, Steve, welcome to Friends uh, from Wild Places. I love the name. I'm a little wild, so I fit it well. Thank you for having me. Awesome. That is awesome. awesome. Steve Ramona found out networking was the real deal at a very young age. He is on a mission to teach the world how to properly network. His passion for the law of increase is his secret source. Podcasting now is the new way to network and build an incredible inner circle. And we'll talk about more about that a little bit later on. So let's begin by just chatting a little bit about, and Tanya knows this about me, I love true crime. Some of the favorite channels that I enjoy watching is on YouTube. And um, I just wanted to know if you guys heard about Taylor Shabusiness and her trial, her murder trial. No, no, no. No. Tanya, no. Okay, so, so give us some facts about it. Maybe right. it'll come. So, in a nutshell, Taylor Shabusiness murdered her lover, her boyfriend, and mutilated his body and cut off his head and cut his body into pieces, putting it into different bags and rucksacks around the room, and he's putting his head in a bucket. And what happened is this murder happened inside of his parents, the boyfriend's parents' house. And I don't know how long 
but the mother ended up coming downstairs to come and check on him and tailor your business or whatever, just to see how, if everything was okay. She came downstairs and looked to her left and saw a bucket and unfortunately saw her son's head in a bucket. So which promptly made her walk upstairs uh, to what I understand is her, her partner and told her partner to please call 911 because her son's head is in a bucket. And you get to hear the live 911 call from the partner. Uh, it's, it's released, so you can go and search for the, the whole case. It's online. And it was quite interesting to hear the 911 call because I think the guy, the partner, was so confused that he, when he was speaking to the 911 lady, she, he was like, I, I, I don't I don't know. I, I honestly have no clue what's in the bucket. She says it's her son's head. I don't know. Just send somebody. I think it was so bizarre because you hear these things happen in movies but I don't think anyone prepares themselves to actually see it in real life so I think they were in shock and so it was a very interesting case to follow you guys can always watch the case it's over now she was convicted of first degree murder and she didn't get the insanity plea it was very interesting for me because her father actually came in to be one of the witnesses and her father walks through the door in chains in an orange suit. So it just sounds like he's had a, she's just had a hard life, you know, and it sounds like she was having mental problems at a young age as a young girl. And they took her in and out of a psychiatric home. As far as I understand, she was hallucinating. So signs were there, um, but she didn't get this insanity plea. So very, very interesting case. And I just wanted to hear your thoughts if you were following it. But if you weren't, if it's your cup of tea, go and uh, search for it online on YouTube and watch it and see what you think. I mean, yeah. Where was this case? Um, I actually can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. I, sorry, Tanya. Actually, I did know, but I actually can't remember right it's now. Okay. Yeah, I have been. I was watching YouTube. I don't have a TV, Steve, so that's my thing. So TV, <laughs> I would be like the perfect juror. I don't listen to the radio, don't read the newspaper. So unless it comes through a YouTube channel or somebody calls me, I'm kind of uh, living my own life here. So Amen. I was actually watching a YouTube last night of similar, but it wasn't as gruesome. But it was um, a murder, you know, solving. So I also like the. Uh, true crime but my background is also in criminal forensics so it's uh, a passion it's a passion yeah, yeah i love true crime too actually and i got caught up in the jeffrey dahmer documentary on netflix talk about gruesome i mean yeah and, and that was what what reminded me of what shireen was saying as far as you know when you get to that level of mutilation that's that's who i think of also yeah and the problem is they were saying and this lady sounds the same way you look at me walking down the street they look normal but like they said, Jeffrey Dahmer, and they showed pictures. You look into his eyes, you know something's not right. And I'm going to look this up uh, myself because I'm interested. I love true crime. I it's love crime. Awesome. I should have been a cop. I know. I know. I feel like I should have been in CSI or the forensic sides as well yeah. because it just interests me so much. 
And fascinating enough, Steve, she actually had a fascination of Dhamma, uh, the tailorship yeah. business. Apparently, wow. she had quite a quite an intense fascination of of uh, Dharma and what he did. So interesting case, yeah. All right. So enough of that. Just wanted to mention that with you guys. But so I wanted to to say what the quotes of the podcast will be for today. The quote being, "Your network is your net worth." This is a title of a book written by Porter Gale. He says in his book that he believes that our social capital or your ability to build a network of authentic personal and professional relationships, not your financial capital, is the most important asset in your portfolio. So this is a quote that was picked by Steve. So Steve, what does this quote mean to you? Well, I teach businesses all over the world about this. If you have one person in your network, if I just had Tanya in my network and I wanted to grow my business, which we all want to do, she's going to help, but that's one person. And let's use bookkeeping or finances, the compounding effect. If I had 50 Tanyas, how much more networks would I get into? which now leads me to more opportunities of doors opening, either to build my business or bring law of increase, or I call it serving people. I've taken your network to your network to another level. And that being in, in your network, inner circle, like you mentioned, and I appreciate that bio, is now working with people that have abundance, millionaires, billionaires, that can connect you in their network. So money works eight to five, makes 50,000 a year. Fantastic. That's great. But how much are they going to bring to me or to us when it comes to the ability to open doors and more abundance? And can they afford what I do? Right. Or if I work with a business owner that makes 5 million a year and wants to scale to 50, now we're talking where they can afford what I offer. I can work with them, but I can get into their network because once I give them value, it's a game changer. It's happened to me over the last six months. I've gotten so many incredible referrals. I met a second billionaire this week, called me out of the blue, wants to work with me because of that inner circle up-leveling it. They're not for everybody, but this is something I wanted to do because I always believe the more abundance I have, the more serving I can do for people around the world. Steve, if you don't mind me asking, can you share with our listeners just a little bit about your journey? You know, like, you know, a little bit of history about yourself and how, yeah. you know, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, I started at graduate high school, thank God. And just half kidding. I was a big athlete, so school wasn't a big thing, but my family launched a health club. And so my cousin was the president and said, hey, why don't you for the summer, like we all do in graduate high school, you know, go make some money. So I worked at the front desk. And what happened and involved was I started meeting, I'm 18, 40, 60, 70 year olds that were extremely wealthy, but I would see them three or four times a day. They'd come in, Hey Joe, have a great workout. Hey Joe, have a great day. Good seeing you. And then I'm up to, Hey, what'd you do last weekend, Steve? And became building relationships. And then I realized my network was growing and I was meeting all kinds of people and they were giving me offers and opportunities so at 18, 19, and 20, I built this incredible network that I still use today and realized if I help others build their network, 
they're going to grow just as I've grown. Interesting. And where was uh, growing up for you? Where did you grow up? I grew up in San Jose, California, a city called Saratoga. And, and you're still was, here. You're still in California. Still, I'm still in the same same spot. Different house. Just got married last year. So got a whole new change in my life. Thank you very much. Yeah, California is interesting, um, like every state. But yeah, I've never left family here. And it's interesting. A lot of people have left to wish they could come back. But once you leave California, it's it, it's a tough go. The cost of here are expensive and homes are expensive. Gas, you know, everything's a little more expensive here. Yeah. And before we hear more about your business currently, so if you don't mind, with the health club was, I remember like back in the day, um, it was Valley's. That's, you know, that's what I remember. And I remember, you know, being just, it was like a while going in with all, I don't know if it was LED lights, but there was some pretty lights that kind of get me. To this day, you can see I'm infatuated with sparkles and lights around me. So that's what sold me. I was like, I want to come to this pretty place and work out. And I think I was probably six weeks into the membership and never went back. So if you don't mind, can you share just a little bit about that journey as far as that's an interesting business to have your family get started in? Well, that's where the law of increase started or customer service. My cousin believed, and Jeff's his name, I, I love him to death. He's a brother to me. He was my mentor at those times. But we always talked about, you've got to bring value. You've got to bring customer service to our members. We became one of the top clubs because of that, a towel. And we used to teach this little trick, and I, I hope businesses do it today. Our front desk were young kids. You know, they weren't older people. They're kids out of high school or in college. And we always taught them when Shireen walked in the door, if you don't remember her name, just look at the computer screen and go, hey, Shireen, have a great day. Have a great workout. Because that one little thing of just saying somebody's name, you're changing lives every day. Be honest. Hey, what was your name again? Oh, it's Tanya. Hey, Tanya, great to see you again. But that little trick built us to a very incredible business we had for 22 years wow and what was the model of that health club like was it i mean i don't know if i'm 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 using a competitor i don't know valleys is still in business but i just remember the valleys was kind of like a a community very like like upscale-ish or the feel was upscale air-conditioned pretty you know that was the vibe i guess back in the day Yeah, we followed the vibe that tell every time you came in we had a a sit-down area, because we wanted our members when they got done working out to chat. And my dad was one of those people. He worked out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and he built these relationships with friends. He had retired. Well, he hadn't retired yet, but he was soon to be retiring. We had racquetball we started with and eventually evolved into aerobics and fitness. Because we changed. That's my cousin. Again, I gave him kudos. You have to pivot, as we learned in, in COVID. Back then in the 70s and 80s, we had to pivot racquetball was going away we had all this space we go okay we fit four people in a racquetball court or we fit 30 40 people in an aerobic room so we started converting them into aerobic rooms cardio rooms because now we can bring our membership up to two thousand to four five six thousand or more wow wow so i just want to conclude with this segment as far as um so here in miami we've evolved into i call them like the pretty workouts okay that's what i'm referring to them so (laughs) one is an oxygen bubble and you can google it you literally it's like you go in this it's very pretty it's pretty in pink and they really cater to women i would say 
between maybe like 40s and 50s. And you could just tell by the music that they play. Everybody, you know, you hear songs from Greece in the 80s and Journey and things like that. And then we also have the EMS, which is the um, electrical muscle stimulation type of workout with looks like a scuba suit. And most recently, especially, I mean, we're here in Miami, Florida, pole fitness. So like the, the vibe of pole dancing taken into pole fitness, which I really think gives women specifically, I'm sure men can do it too, but yeah. just give women that confidence, that vibe, as we're using that word today, right? That just to feel something that you can do it and you see progress with all of these three modalities that I mentioned. Yeah. And it's interesting, even back then, you know, our equipment would evolve. You know, we started with a certain part of equipment and then the equipment changed. And then we had the, the stair climber and then we had the Versa climber and we, and you have to do that in any business, but it's interesting how tech and fitness come together because mm -hmm. as tech builds these different pieces of equipment and what, what they're trying to do, and this is just my opinion, is trying to find that niche for that person. So they're moving. And I love that because somebody just doesn't want to walk on a treadmill. They, it's boring to them. Well, if anything's boring to somebody, they're not going to do it. Guess what? You know, obesity rate is so high here in the America. I don't know how it is in South Africa, but it's it, it's terrible because people aren't moving right. and fitness really needs to change. And it's so different because you wouldn't see these modalities in the 70s and 80s. You would see a health club, either racquetball fitness, and they would be big. Now we've got all these boutique fitness like you're talking about, which is yeah. great, but it's such a different world now. Different world. And even back, I remember like, you know, I think it was the maybe early nineties, uh, the shapes like for women, it was, that was another like circuit training, but you know, I love talking with Shireen. So Steve, you'll know my, my forte, right. Is not the technology nor geography. So yeah. I, I always ask Shireen, I'm like, she loves to hike. Right. So in our conversations over the years, I'm like, I'm, I'm imagining a forest, like a rainforest. And she's like, Tanya, I'm in South Africa. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, there are no rainforests. We have a desert. I'm like, oh, okay. So I enjoy talking with her because her world is so vastly different from my perspective because I'm thinking everybody goes hiking in a rainforest, which is not true. So, <laughs> I, love it. so I just need to clarify. So this was when I went on a like road trip, backpacking trip into the Kalahari upper South Africa so that's when the conversation came around because I was walking in what pretty much looks like a very dry desert and she was thinking I was walking in a forest and I'm like no no not where I am right now to find some forestry I would have to go more in a different direction to more mountaineers kind of thing so it wasn't yeah but just so you know, Tanya, we do get forests, just not in this area. <laughs> and and Steve, I, you know, I hear you, like, you know, you started in the, you know, your family with the fitness club and, you know, Shireen from, you know, from my interaction with her is very outdoorsy. She likes to hike. I'm like the lazy one. I like to go in and out, get the workout done quick at like two times a week. They can promise me results. I'm in, like, I am not for like... <laughs> know uh, hiking up some random place like I want in and out and I'm like results oriented so people love you know with the personality tests like the disc profile you know I'm just like I'm the marketer's dream right so so I'll leave it I'm going to turn it back over to Shireen but thank you so much for just giving us a little okay. bit about your history and growing up in California you bet I love that Sonia and um but you can't be lazy because look at you doing pole fitness that's amazing 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I was good. <laughs> right. So listen, Steve, we want to talk about a couple of, you know, statements that you've made um, in your career. You said serving is better than selling. What do you mean by this? Nobody wants to be, as a phrase that one of my networking groups uh, owner uses, is pitch slapped. We don't want to be pitched. You know, your audience doesn't want me to start telling them, hey, you need this, this, and this, buy my product. And we're getting a lot of that, especially after COVID. It's been around forever. And sales is a fearful word for people. I don't sell. I, you know, I, I'm not good at sales. I'm this and that. Unfortunately, everybody in the audience, you're selling every day. You're selling your spouse, your partner, your kids, your brothers, your sisters, your whoever, your friends. You're selling all the time. But with selling has to be value. And you have to build a relationship. I use this phrase, you don't marry the woman on the first date. Well, maybe somebody does, but most people, that's probably a TV show. But most people don't. You've got to build the relationship. So I call it a business marriage. Build that relationship. But with that is value. That's where the serving comes in. Hmm. And it could be referrals. It could be, hey, I love you. I told Shireen before the show, I love her hat. It looks great on her. That's serving somebody by bringing a law of increase, the energy of positivity. And I believe, and it's happened to me over the last six months, well, last few years, is that comes back to you. Mm-hmm. But when you serve, I learned about a year ago, is that's a half a circle. To fill the circle in is you have to ask and receive. Because if you think about it, when you serve somebody, I give Tanya, you 20 referrals, and you get three sales, let's just say that happened, you're going to go as a human go, well, I want to help you, Steve. And I go, I'm good. Don't need anything. There's a negative connotation in that. Instead of, hey, Tanya, this is great. I need help with this, whatever this is. And that's been a game changer because now I'm, because for the last 10 years, I've been giving away resources and time like I did with Shireen. And I still do that. But I also look at, hey, Steve, I have to have abundance because I want to serve more people. I want to change the world, but I need abundance. I need money. I need finances. Mm-hmm. So when you have that mindset with money, it's a complete different thought process. Mm-hmm. So, so Steve, if you don't mind, share a little bit about how you, and I want to be specific for our listeners out there. So you've kind of evolved into doing the podcast is your heart of you. Is that correct? Like, so tell us how that journey took place. How did you evolve to that? So September, uh, I have a, I'm part owner of a company called Infone. And one of my clients reached out out of the blue and said, hey, I just joined this group Pantheon. They help you with your podcast. And I've been thinking about for a couple of years, my brother was a sports broadcaster for a while, not in major TV, but did a lot of college and And I always interest me, and people say you have a lot to say. I never believed that. But I was thinking, I want to start a podcast, so I was going to do the DIY YouTube thing. And that's for fixing your sink or or figure a way to iron your clothes. That's not to build something massive like that. So when I get introduced to Kyle from Pantheon, the first few things he told me was, we're looking for a 1,000 of the greatest leaders in the world that want to change the world and work together. I was all in. And then my first meeting with Josh, who owns Pantheon, who I now work with, I said, Josh, what do I do? I want to get going. He gives you start recording on your phone and your tablet, your computer, wherever. Just use Zoom and just start recording shows. Like anything, sports, hiking, the more you do, the more you practice, the better you get. 
and that started happening with me. And I did October. I think I did 30 shows. Interesting. Interesting. And prior to that, what did you have any background in, I'm going to use the word like social media, TV, radio? Like how did you go to podcast? I had none of that. Mine was network marketing. I was part of 15, 16 companies. I never wanted to work for somebody. My dad was a contractor. He built homes. I watched him growing up going, my dad showed up to my three o'clock baseball game. And then he'd go back to work. He'd show up to my football game on a Friday night. He'd go back to work. Well, maybe not Friday night, but he always made time for us, but he worked a lot too. But I loved that flexibility. And then my only first job was selling picture frames as I think it was a junior in high school. It was the worst thing I could ever get on the phone. Hey, Tommy, would you like a picture frame? Hey, Sheree, let me sell you a six by nine. I'm like, what am I doing here? Junior <laughs> in high school. But at least I got exposed to that. But I really wanted to be, because I felt that I could help people and lead people. And I can't do that working eight to five. I could do that inside there, but I really want to make an impact. Yeah. So what I'm taking away from our conversation so far, Steve, is that your relationship marketing, building value, the connection part, it's almost like this podcast is a vehicle. Is, am, I, am I hearing that correctly? Like, like the podcast is a vehicle. It's not the end all be all to do the podcast. It's the vehicle. So can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, great question, Tanya. Um, we do at Pantheon is, and you could be just YouTube lives, but anywhere where you're bringing somebody in as a guest and interviewing them and talking about them, what you're doing now is you're bringing me value today. By being on your show, if 50 people see it or 50,000, it doesn't matter. You've given me value. So what I do with all my guests is we jump on a show, talk a little bit. What you want to talk about? Jump in the show. And then the last 30 minutes is I've learned all about them and go, and I did that today. And Tanya, I've got a referral for you. That's how I work is as I learn about my guests, I can start leveraging my network, other people's networks and go here, let me connect you with this and this. I gave one lady 12 referrals three months ago. She's given me 75 referrals since because of the reciprocity of value. She goes, you're amazing. I love you. And she sends me texts once in a while. Hey, man, let's stay partners. Now we're partners together, building our businesses and growing together. Tune in next week for part two from Friends from Wild Places. You've been listening to Friends from Wild Places with Shireen Buerta. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast from the links to catch every episode and unleash your passion.